0: Welcome to The Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to The Corner.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to Le Corner, a new episode, and today uh, we have like two uh, different people. We have Haida Bielga and Sophie Hofford. Hi, how are you doing?
2: Hi, super well. How are you guys?
1: Fine too, fine too. And we have JB uh, with me today uh, to speak, uh, not just with a French accent, uh, but (laughs) to speak a little (laughs) bit more English with me.
0: Um, David David will be perfect. <laughs>
1: uh, we will see. We will see. Um, so, just to start, maybe like Ida, Sophie, can you introduce uh, yourself first, Ida? Maybe uh, just to learn more about like your background and what you're doing today.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my name is Ida. I am based in Copenhagen, in Denmark. I am the co-founder and managing director of Noise Studio, and also the co-founder of Nordic Sport Tech. Um, Just a little bit of my background, I actually have a Master in Applied Economics and Finance, uh, but I've been mainly working in the digital and tech sector. Uh, I've been consulting startups, brands and companies, and everything on like concept, digital product strategy, and and design um, since the beginning of my career. Uh, Besides that, I'm a super classical Norwegian. Uh, I love the outdoors, I love hiking, I ski, I surf, I kite surf, just want to be in the nature and hug hug trees when I can. Um, That's, and that's. I, I think
1: that that's in the DNA of your company, actually. But we will speak about that after. I'm exactly, pretty sure about yeah. that. <laughs> and you, 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 you didn't speak about like, uh, like your passion for traveling. Uh, I think you traveled a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was based in. I've been living outside Norway for the last 15 years. Um, the last years, I've been based in Argentina, Brazil, and California, mainly working on like the Latin American and North American and um, tech sector. And besides that, I've been doing like a ski season in Chamonix, a kite surfing season in Dominican Republic. I've been doing a lot of surf seasons in Sri Lanka and, and uh, Costa Rica. Hey, it sounds think, amazing. Yeah. Just like yeah. your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun. Now being stuck, I'm stuck in Copenhagen, looking back at my life, it feels more like a dream. I don't, I don't <laughs> believe it was me because now I just sit here in this rainy city. Uh, but yeah, definitely very. I'm more jealous of Sophie, actually. Sophie is still living the dream.
3: Oh um, uh, yeah, maybe I'm living the dream. I am. Hi, I'm Sophie, and <laughs> I am currently based in the French Alps, in the Portes de Soleil, in a, a ski mm. resort called Morzine. Um, we have had a white season here uh, this season, so our season blanche, they say in French. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the ski the ski lifts have not been running, so I have been doing a lot of ski touring and walking up the mountains, <laughs> which has been uh, super interesting. But yeah, so my background is in skiing. I've skied from a young age, and I dabbled in freestyle and ski racing competitions, so I always knew I wanted to be involved in the action sports industry. Um, so after university, I got a job at Monster Energy, uh, working in their marketing department doing action sports and motorsports events and, and and marketing projects. Um, and then from there, I moved back out to the Alps and started working as the global head of marketing at a ski company called Planks, um, which involved working on some incredible projects, working with some really cool athletes. Um, so yeah, the outdoors has always really been a passion of mine. And they say if you work in your passion, then you won't work a day in your life. So i um, hoping to, uh, to carry on with that at, at noise.
1: Cool, so for, for you, in fact, like Sophie, uh, it was like really a target to sport to, to, to work in the sport industry. Uh, Ida, if I'm not wrong, like you didn't start in, to work in the sport industry at the beginning of your career, uh, what brought you into this sector actually?
0: And actually, if I can ask, like you, you mentioned economics and finance, which yeah. is quite unusual in terms of like university background.
2: Yeah, I think I've always been um, quite nerdy on the mathematics. Um, so I've always been like an A student and everything maths. And uh, one of my friends told me if I wanted to like continue to travel the world and just do what I wanted to do, um, it was a good idea to get a business education because then you could live abroad uh, and study abroad and work abroad. So she tricked me into business and then I I just have a good, like a flair for numbers. Um, So I wanted to take the most um, difficult master there was and that was finance. So it's it's not the traditional background, but that's how I ended up with a finance degree. Um, And it did pretty well. Um, But after graduating, I figured out finance investment banking is not for me. So I went straight into the tech industry, moved to Buenos Aires, worked uh, because Buenos Aires is like the Silicon Valley of Latin America. Um, so I worked for a large agency down there on everything, strategy, design, and technology. And that's where I became super interested in like digital and tech. Um, that agency worked with all the verticals, everything from like finance tech, which I tend to get, my my boss would give me the finance clients. Um, I would get health tech, e-commerce, and then once in a while, like a sport tech client. Um, and I really noticed like it was the sport tech people that I connected with, I think their projects were more fun. I just felt they were more relaxed. There was a stronger passion behind the sport tech um, mm-hmm. collaborations. Um, and that's where I think that's where I just realized what I wanted to work with. Um, and at the same agency, I became super good friends with my two current co-founders. One of them is a big surfy and he, he had a skateboard, a skateboard company on the side as well. And the other guy is an Argentinian rugby and football player. like a strong passion for that and uh, like everything football. Um, and the three of us had the same dream. We just wanted to work with sport and outdoors. Uh, we really just wanted. We thought those brands were fun. We felt that's where we like had the most fun uh, in our old agency. So we left that and started noise together.
1: Um, but I guess like your your background like is quite useful. In fact, like to speak about like investment, uh, to speak uh, with different startup uh, with like different goals. In fact, to achieve depending on like their maturity and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also we're going to come into it a little bit later, but we do, uh, at Noise, we do a lot of, um, we do three different things. We do like strategy and then we do brand and then we do um, UX and UI. So we have, we mainly put together our teams uh, to have like different heads in the different teams in the different mm-hmm. projects. And I tend to support on a lot of like the business or growth or research or strategy. Because um, that's really my strong side. And and Sophie, for example, is one of our strategists. So she works on a lot of the concepts and the creative thinkings. Um, mm. And then we have designers and UX, UI designers or brand designers. Uh, but we definitely put a lot of importance on like um, the strategy behind or the business behind uh, your company before you go into, for example, coding or app development or... Uh, mm. or yeah. Yeah.
0: And so you have three co-founders at Noise, if I understand well or not yes so it's yeah. me
2: um i am the managing director with my business background mm-hmm. and then we have i have two design co-founders and uh, we have Santiago which is the design director expert in UX and UI and then we have Felipe which is the creative director and he's more of like an arty guy i much more into like video concepts photography um, illustrations much more like an art arty head mm-hmm.
1: Cool. cool. Uh, uh, and you, Sophie, what motivates you to join Ida, actually, like to to to, to join this, this great adventure? How
2: did I ch- trick you in, Sophie?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually it was a friend of mine um kind of introduced me to Noise and I think the designs that they were doing and the stuff I was seeing that was coming out of Noise was super super interesting and super arresting and like quite different to what I'd seen in the sports, the outdoors and the sport tech industry. Um but I think most of all, like I met Ida and, and the co founders and they were just like an awesome bunch of people. Um like every day working at noise is, is a really good laugh and everyone's down to earth. And I think like we all connect over sport and, and our passions and, and the sports that we do and the projects that we work on. So um yeah, just, just mm. an amazing group of people doing something a bit different, I think, within the industry.
0: So you don't you don't really feel that you're working that's what you're saying like you you're part of a mm-hmm. family community and you just enjoy every day and that's it yeah. so i don't really
2: know why you're yeah. saying me to be honest <laughs> <laughs> we don't <laughs> no we just really feel like a group of friends like we are some of us never met each other in real life because we're 100% remote, and we we really like me and sophie actually never met but we really feel like we're we're just a that's good cool. bunch of friends want to hang out
0: (laughs) just for for our listeners what when was noise created just like
2: yeah we were founded in european summer 2018 so we have our three-year birthday coming up in two months and they say if you make it to three years um it's like a three-year crisis and then the next crisis is seven years so we're just like three more months and we're safe for another another few years
0: good one (laughs) <laughs> and,
1: and, and, okay uh thanks a lot jb for that because you you spoke a little <laughs> bit about the beginning of noise C- can you tell tell us like more about like the journey uh like what you did during like these first three years
2: yeah i think um the first The first two years we were um, we were kind of such a such a bad journey. The first two years we were kind of um, getting started, um, traveling a lot. Uh, We did a lot. Why bad
0: journey? (laughs) You were just creative. Why bad journey? uh,
2: We were just a little bit. um, We were just having a fun creating the the company, being the three of us, uh, really working with just a few like one project at the time. Um, and doing a lot of surf seasons on the side. So one of us was based in Bali, the other one was based in Sri Lanka, and it was it was uh, a lot of work-life balance. Um, yeah. And then I think COVID happened and we were all sent home and we um, got sent home from our like destinations and we really started to wrap up the studio a little bit more. Um, so the last year uh, we've been experiencing a lot of growth and we became very um, professional and doing a lot of like fun projects at the same time. So the first two years, it was more like relaxed than just the three of us doing projects. And today we're a team of 10. Um, mm. A lot of athletes and outdoor enthusiasts still all over the world, still in like our sport destinations, uh, but um, but working a little bit harder. So the, 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: so the, the pandemic was really the pivot, pivot year in terms of like <laughs> making you a bit more mature or a bit more professional. Yes. I don't know. Okay.
2: I think we were always professional we were not we were just more concerned about the work-life balance and, mm. and we still have the work-life balance but we um uh, but yeah. working hard on the side um but yeah so we're, we're 10 today uh, we're 100 remote um we have people based where their sports are so we have like one surfer in in bali one in sydney we have the in the french alps um i'm stranded in copenhagen uh we have a yogi which is in london um so I think yeah the, the last the last year have been a lot of a lot of fun and a lot of development.
1: Pretty sure about that. on um, um, can can you tell us more like about like what kind of project you 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 you, you led during the, the the this great first three years, not the yeah. bad journey.
2: Eh? I will <laughs> I will hand this to Sophie. Uh to tell you a little bit more about what Noise Studio is all about and what and what we're focused on today.
3: Yeah, like as you just said, because we're kind of a bunch of sporties, we, we really connect with like the clients that are also in the sport industry. Or I feel like if, at Noise, there's always one person that's done the sport that we're kind of working on. So we kind of like make that connection there. But um, I think we always try and work with um, ambitious sports and outdoor brands or companies that are uh Going into a stage of rapid growth, or like an investment round, or um, major change within the company, and that's where like we can come in and really help. And I think that's where we can make the biggest difference, um, or that <laughs> we can make the biggest difference. That's so really exciting. Um, so yeah, we have like partners in maybe twenty-five locations now, all over the world, um, in like mainly sports, outdoors, fitness, nature, sustainability. Um, and we always kind of try and um, blend our passions and like our main interests, which is brand and design, with digital and the outdoors. And um, so we're only ever really working with people that inspire us.
0: And is it is it solely startups or is it more brands? Because I, I remember when you presented yourself, you said Monster. I mean, is it more brands in the outdoor that you are helping, or is it kind of a fifty-fifty, or is it? Or is it also public authorities? I mean, I don't know if you are working potentially with queries or
2: managed yeah, by do, public
0: authorities. or I don't know.
2: We do, um, we do a little bit of of both. We do. We started out working a lot with entrepreneurs and startups. Um, today our main focus is, um, still startups, but maybe uh, maybe after their first investment round, um, and small mm-hmm. medium size. So one of our biggest clients, I think, have three hundred and fifty employees. So it's still like on the small medium size. Um, we also mm-hmm. do a lot of passion projects. We do, uh, we do, we work for NGOs. So we try to give back to the industry uh, by working on like sustainable production of outdoor equipment. Uh, or we worked with Nomad Surfing to do a marketing campaign to put focus on the importance mm-hmm. of sustainable production in the surf industry. Um, so we try to give back to the industry and to give back to nature and to give back to our playgrounds by doing um, some. A few projects per year dedicated to to nature, sports, and the outdoors. Um, so instead of giving like a little bit of our profit to one percent uh, for nature, we try mm-hmm. to to give a little bit of our design uh, or a little bit of of our hours to help support good causes in this industry. Um, so yeah, our main partners is like founder startups, entrepreneurs, small medium sized companies, and also kind of like NGOs or like companies for good. Uh, that's okay. where we help out.
0: And and when you say, I remember you had different verticals. But what do you do for them? Is it because you mentioned a lot about the design and you know we love the nature, we love the sports, we do the sports. And do you put a design or do you create stories around those? Or what's what's the value proposition you have? You you, you told me or you told us at the beginning like there is also the finance, the strategy. So if you have to guide us through the root of noise in terms of if if we are a startup or sme or or even a client of yours what what do you bring on the table
3: yeah so um our main focus at noise is brand and then ux and ui so we kind of have okay. two departments so on the brand side of things we are involved in a wide range of collaborations from brand development strategy communication strategy your typical design process, like logo design, name creation, art direction, uh, color palette. Um, but then we also do like art direction for photography and video as well. And then on the UX and UI side, we work with clients on um, discovery, concept, digital strategy, fresh designs. Um, maybe they have an existing app and we um, bring a fresh kind of UI design to the app or um Build in new, new features or elements into, into an app or a landing page um, on the UX and UI side. So yeah, it, mm-hmm. it really depends on, on the project and the client and, and what their needs are and what their goals are as to how we kind of, I say, attack attack the project or the problem that we're trying to solve. Um, we don't really have like very strict processes at noise. It really depends on, on what project we're working on and, and what the client wants. But yep.
1: it, it will be like more one-off project rather than like a long-term relationship in terms of strategy, or uh, or do you have like
3: we do both actually, either, maybe, of project. Yeah, Eden, yeah. maybe you can expand yeah. on that a little bit because we do
2: both, don't we? Yeah, we do everything from like a smaller 6 weeks collaboration on like a specific marketing campaign um, to yeah, to, uh, or a, a brand development to like long-term yearly collaborations. So I think two of our most famous clients are Uplift uh, and Onyx out of California. They're both, one of them is a remote coaching platform. The other one is a digital fitness um, application, just bought by Fit. And both of them, we've been ongoing partner for, I think it's one and a half and two years. Um, starting out with a small collaboration on maybe the visual identity, but then going into being like a full long creative partner on, on everything brand, everything UX UI, everything video production. Um so it tends to, we also have like one of our main missions is to uh, people like to work with people they like, and we feel it's from the both sides. So we, a lot of the collaborations we go into, we become very friendly with our partners uh, and we became, bec- become very supportive of their mission and what they're doing. And um, also Sophie said, like we work with ambitious companies in rapid growth or major change. So they all, the, we, we really want to be part of this rapid growth. Um Become very friendly, and and we don't want them to leave us, and they don't want to leave us. So it tends to go into like a long term, long term relationship on a very friendly, friendly basis. We're very informal, <laughs> in the, informal in the company. If you don't know this, <laughs> mm.
1: and what 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 are the next step for Noise Studio? Like, uh, I think like we are seeing like the end of the pandemic. Oh, I hope we are seeing that. Uh, what what are the next step for you? Like, do you want to still like? grow like all around the world travel again Uh, do you have like new project in mind
2: um like for the studio we always want to be a tight group of uh like a tight little team we never want to be more than 15 i think so today we're 10 so we don't have any big growth plans um we just want to continue doing what we're doing we want to work with sport and outdoor brands and companies um Mm. and hopefully we can we can do, we really dream of doing like a, uh, like a big branding project. Uh, or we are in conversations about putting more focus on sustainable travel to sport destinations. Uh, we hope we can work with some sort of NGOs or per, like give, put more focus on sustainability and nature and the importance of our playgrounds. Um, mm-hmm. So we just actually want to continue doing what we're doing <laughs> for, for a long time.
3: Mm. and maybe when it's we can travel well, we can do a groups
2: group surf trip yeah <laughs> we we're going to do a, a nice retreat in bali we hope uh, but then bali needs to open so we can all surf
1: <laughs> everything, everything is recorded so now you have like a poop uh so please, you will have your, your travel in bali yeah. i'm pretty sure about that you can use this podcast <laughs>
2: we want to do like a house visit of everybody we want to ski in the french Alps with sophie and we want to go one of our designers is in bali and then we want to go to my norwegian cabin and hike like we want to we want to do a trip um together
0: well you you have seven years before your next crisis so it's okay you can you can choose several (laughs) locations and then (laughs) then you can move on just one one comment it seems from what you say like you've been taking it very much on the fly like it was coming in and then you were building up relationship. It was, I mean, I guess that was working quite well and, and you keep going while new things are coming up. But it's not like, or it doesn't sound like you were really pushing in terms of like trying to find a brand or trying to address a specific needs or trying to be out there. But it was rather some kind of incremental and coming at you. Is it because you find the sweet spots or you find the rights uh, I don't know how to say that but maybe the, the sweet spot at the time around tech around the brand around helping with the strategy and maybe the rise also of a new tech ecosystem and the startups where there was very few or not much offering or how would you see this from a more from your co-founder perspective in terms of like the growth and how it came along and and how you see that for the future. Is it because you were a sweet spot at the right time at the right place, a bit by coincidence, or is it because you've been, uh, I mean, I guess it's always a bit more complex, but is there, is there other reasons for that?
2: No, I think on, on like the mission on the industry, the main reason we're doing now is there, there is a strong mission behind it. Like we are really, really passionate about getting more people active and more people outdoors. Um, and one, one of the main reasons, it's a personal passion from all of our co-founders. We are very outdoor we are very sporty, and we see the benefits of being in nature and being uh, an active person, and we want to have more people doing that. Um, on, the other, on the other side, I think one, more than a quarter of the world's population uh, is not like doing enough physical exercise, mm-hmm. they're not active enough to stay healthy. So that's one thing. Like, I think it's 1.7 billion people are not, they're just not active enough to be healthy. And the, on the other side, we have digital products and apps that are taking time away from people and making people less active and mm-hmm. uh, that have conse- consequences both physically and mentally. Um, so there's an urgent need from the world to get more people moving. Um, so that's like one of our main missions. Like We personally see the benefits of being outdoors and being active, but the world also needs more people to be outdoors and be active. Um, and if people are already addicted to their apps and their digital products why can't we make them be addictive to um, products that encourage them to move uh, or encourage them to put their phone away and go outdoors and maybe counter steps kind of like what pokemon go is doing um kind of like wouldn't say tricked but like motivated people to go outdoors and collect um augmented reality <laughs> uh, but still made the world move without people knowing they're moving so that that's like the main mission and that's uh, that's a like pure, pure vision from noise. Um, On our kind of services, we are super strongly passionate about the importance of strategy and the importance of brand uh, before you go into building an app. Uh, We see a lot of founders and early stage startups just going straight into coding. Like in the sport tech world, there's very heavy tech teams, very intelligent founders, um, software engineers that's building hardware and software products. Uh, but sometimes they forget about strategy, they forget about brand, they forget about the importance of visual identity, like emotionally connect with your users. Mm. Um, and that's what like, we are, you uh, call it, advocates for. Like We really think that's super important and that can give you a very like competitive and strategic Match. advantage. And it's also better for the end user to have a better experience. Um, so it's like it's a very strong passion area. It's both brand design and UX UI and also sports and outdoors. Uh, you never want to leave this sector or this um this industry
1: and, and when when you're speaking about strategy like what what are the key pillars that you are taking into account uh, when you are like building a strategy for 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 your customers like uh, are you like focus on data you focus on like uh a b testing uh, what are you doing if, uh, if we need to speak about like a project a specific project yeah
2: Sophie is actually one of our strategists, so i'm gonna hand this over to yeah, sure. the one who's sitting with all of the strategy <laughs> we're doing
3: yeah I think like at noise we don't like I said earlier we don't really have like a super hard process or like you know a check box of things we we tick off with with every client and um, it's never the same so I guess at noise the way we approach strategy is is always changing depending on the client their problem what they actually need what the business goals might be and um, so that will change how we approach it um I guess it noise like the term strategy we use for for the effort, the research, the planning that goes behind the brand, the personality of the brand, the communication. Um, so for us, strategy is all about getting to the bottom of the problem we're actually solving, the user we're solving it for and the business goals we're trying to achieve. Um, and I think, like our role as strategists to help the clients, is it's a lot about listening and um, to companies or figuring out what they want in a really down to earth way. So often we're kind of drawing out the personality and the ideas behind a brand that's that's always sitting there that maybe the client just hasn't quite figured out the the words to use for it or um, the the way to express themselves yet. So our kind of job is to is to draw that out um so yeah looking at the things that are left unsaid reading between the lines and and figuring out how to position different businesses and brands and and ultimately putting a strategy together that can help them grow to the next 10 to 20 however many years um so yeah i guess what we do it's, it's more of a deep dive we get like really knee deep into the ins and outs of a brand and, and its world. Um, we do, we do market research, as you said, test like user testing, um, lots of conversations with users. We do interviews, brand workshops, um, with like the founders or even kind of people that are employees that are working at the, at the company, depending on, depending on its size. Um, and it, I think then only by kind of doing all that research and, and really kind of getting involved in the brand, can we, find a meaningful difference that really works for the client um, and start creating, like generating creative solutions. So we would believe like uh, developing that solid strategy at the beginning um, is where the magic can happen on the creative process afterwards.
0: Um, for me, I have one. I don't know if it's a comment or a questions, but um, both of you just mentioned a bit like, clearly and especially when you're working with early stage startups so with limited founders usually they come from the from the dev work i mean they come from the the back end the technology behind it and they are usually the one coding and putting the things or the machinery together but they usually don't know or don't understand or don't see the value in terms of how you position your product what kind of not brand or How does it resonate? How do you put your value proposition outside to a certain market? How do you define your customer segment? So for this pre-seed or even seed, uh, I would say companies, usually they tend to forget it. And I think, Aida, you you, you referred to it as well. So for, for you, how is noise helping out them? Or it seems like you are bringing on this kind of other component in terms of Showcasing this value to them, or in terms of putting them in the right direction, is that, is that correct? Or
2: yeah, we have. Um, so again, before before going into coding, we do think it's important to lay the foundation. I and mean, you can do that um, quite like an essential foundation, or you can go much more deep into it. Um, so we like before coding, we think it's important that you spend some time like looking at your strategy and market position, then doing the brand, then doing the visual identity. And then doing the coding. Uh, when we work with limited funding, uh, we we do like a more high level workshop. Maybe we spend an hour together with our strategist every day, really just like pick the brain and and help coming up with some ideas or solutions. Mm-hmm. Um then we go into like essential branding. Like it's very important to have like a, a good lo- logo and visual identity that stands your part that you can roll out to all, all your social platforms and everything you're doing, and not just doing the app so that the customer can recognize you again and again um so we do like we try we try to do this like keep the same process and keep the same stages but maybe like minimize them or have them more like uh, really the essentials and then if the founder or startup get funding you can always go back and do a revamp, or refresh or mm-hmm. add to your visual identity um or even like spend more time on on the strategy um there's also a lot of stuff you can do up front you don't have to go to an agency you can google online like strategy workshops or like market positioning or research so a lot of stuff sometimes we just recommend like do this exercise with your team and come back to us um or we try to like, mm-hmm. like bootstrap kind of the processes we're doing if if they want to if yeah. they have budget limitations
0: i'm, I'm sorry to <laughs> jump in again dave <laughs> go ahead and asking too many questions but what is the most common mistakes you see i mean that's really i mean we I mean, at La Source, we, we work with startups as well. We, we try, I mean, and we've been working anyway for, for the past years with different startups. So it's always good and interesting to hear the perspective and how people see the the startup eco- ecosystem, the tech tech ecosystem. And what is the most common, I don't know if it's mistakes, but if we have some entrepreneurs or people either launching or even doing a Series A or Series B, what would be the main advice or what? For you, Aida and, and Sophie, what, what are the most common mistakes you see, and how you would address them quite quickly? Um, I
2: I think it's the same for like entrepreneurs and startups. I think it's a little bit like um, just spend spend some time thinking about the strategy and visual identity before you go into coding. You don't have to do a lot, but it's it's kind of like if you would compare it to another industry, it's kind of like starting to build your house without um, even drawing it up yourself, or like talking to an architect. Mm. You don't want to just like start building, like start hammering. Um, So you can either do it yourself, like try to draw a little bit or think about it. Um, And for like small, medium size, we can like branding, brand development and having a brand and having like giving the same, the end user the same experience on all your platforms uh, and have like a good story and tell that story well. um, We think it's one of, it's not the biggest mistake, but like the biggest advantage you can get. So if you're an entrepreneur startup, put some, thoughts into strategy and why you're doing it. Um, and if you're a small, medium size, maybe, maybe work with an agency or hire in-house, someone who's like really passionate about brand and story and how to communicate it. Because we really think that's that's where there's like, um, I, I wonder if we're going to come into this a little bit later, but that's where we see the opportunity in sport and outdoors, like focus, focus more on brand and story uh, and not just that mm-hmm. you have a hardcore coded um, tech product because that's super important as well. But it's a it's a whole experience. So that was a very long answer to a, a short mm-hmm. question. So do you have anything shorter and more
3: concrete? <laughs> yeah. With? No, I, I think <laughs> I think what you said about just um, not really a mistake, but maybe something that is kind of overlooked is is really understanding your brand's why, and and um, you see this a lot in 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 branding articles and, and marketing, uh, you know, marketing experts in linkedin or whatever ted talks yeah it's it's all about understanding your why and i think before you've done that you can't really progress with a true um product or digital experience that is really gonna um connect with your user and uh, create a really special user experience
1: and maybe it's easier to change a mindset like to with a young company like maybe like precede or c company rather than like a, already like a bigger company who are like already like set up like everything on the on specific minds, mindset uh, internally.
2: Yeah, or sometimes it's, I think you so actually have a good example of this. Like sometimes it's, if there's a strong founder in a big company, sometimes you just have to like help the founder to tell the story to the company and get everybody aligned because you kind of want to go towards the same mission. Um, so sometimes it's also like maybe, maybe the story and strategy is already there, but you forgot to tell it to everybody else. And um, so what we do a lot is making brand books, uh, which tells the stories and the values and the missions like very easily, so that the whole company and the whole team um, will work, yeah, work towards and talk about the same or talk about the brand in the same way and um, on all channels.
3: It's that Um, thing I think of um, sometimes a a founder is so involved in the detail of their brand and, and, and what they're doing, or maybe it's their sales goals or or the next thing that they're trying to achieve. Um, So what we do at noise is kind of like zoom out and help the founder kind of take a step back and and look at their brand in a more holistic way. I don't really like using that word, but like, yeah, a more holistic view of of their brand. Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: I, I on top of that, I think you need to speak like with different people in order to like open your mind. And uh, on that topic, I think you have like other stuff to say. Uh, <laughs> you are speaking, or you, you I think that you built uh, a new organization in in uh, in the Nordics too. Uh, can you tell tell us more, like maybe about like what you build in terms of ecosystem for for Nordic startup? And I think you are involved uh, in the UK too. So yeah, I'll let you the mic on that topic.
2: Yeah, um, I think you're talking about Nordic Sport Tech and yeah. um, me being a mentor in, in London Sport Tech Hub. Um, Nordic Sport Tech is a community for the Nordic Sport Tech entrepreneurs, startups and companies in the Nordic Nordic, Nordic region. Um, it is today the largest sport, sports tech community we have. It has over 450 members uh, divided on those five countries. And that's Finland, Iceland, Sweden, Norway and Denmark. Um I started Nordic Sport Tech together with my co-founder, Jakob Wikenstol. He's based in Sweden. Um, just because we wanted to like connect everybody in the Nordic Sport Tech scene. I came back from San Francisco, where it was super normal to go to meetups or like group chats or events and just meet founders um, or other people passionate about like that topic. And I didn't find the same when I came back to Nordics and wanted to start noise. So the reason we founded Nordic Sport Tech was to... To foster empower and connect the sport tech scene uh, in these countries and like facilitate conversations uh, and create like some after office meetup kind of kind of events Um, so that was like the main that yeah that's how we created it back in back in the days
1: and you are involved in sport tech london too
2: yeah in sport tech london i am a mentor and that's kind of aligned with the overall mission of of noise as well i think the entrepreneurs and startup who join the Sport Tech Hub in London, uh, they have a mission to get more people active more often, get more people active more often. Um, so I hope to be on a good support of entrepreneurs and founders there who are working on like meaningful products and brands. Uh, there's a lot of super fun startups in London and getting people out walking more or getting everybody to run in January. Uh, so a lot of not a lot of passionate startup with good missions.
1: And if if I jump back to to the Nordic sport tech, like w- what are the main challenge for for a Nordic startup? Because when here in France, like when we are like seeing like the market, uh, I think like uh, it's quite close. Uh, so Nordic startup are working like closely with other Nordic uh, organization. What are the main challenge for 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 this startup in terms of? Uh, expansion all around the world or maybe another topic i don't know
2: yeah i think um we're like super jealous of you guys in france we feel you have everything as sport tech you're like one of the biggest sport tech uh like countries in europe uh, We, we <laughs> have, a have good
1: ecosystem, i guess yeah i'm pretty sure yeah. about that but it's always like you know how to to, to learn more about like other ecosystem in another country yeah. with another culture you know
2: I think what's interesting with Nordic countries is like we're extremely nationalistic uh, in the sense that we tend to like to work with other companies in the same country. Mm. Um, So a lot of and a lot of the um, startups and entrepreneurs here have a focus on like national expansion rather than international expansion uh, or international national growth. Um, So that's one challenge. Like, how do we get people to think more like internationally? And um, in the Nordic countries, there's um, it's. There's not as many investors, VCs mm-hmm. and funding opportunities. It's a more of like a risk averse society, so we don't see a lot of like individuals um investing in startups. So it's very hard compared to like the California scene or London scene or Spanish or French. It's very hard to get investments. and if you do, you get very little investments and they often want to see a lot of like upfront coding before um they get mm-hmm. investment. So it's hard to grow. It's hard to get people to help you to grow. Um, it's it's a very slow tech scene. We're a little bit behind, I would say, is it, compared to like the big internationals.
0: Given what you just said, is it part of the Nordic sports tech mandate to go to the public authorities to try to change that in terms of like maybe having either the state or the local municipalities, or I don't know how. I mean, you you were referring to London or Paris. I know that. The state and even the, the city itself has been putting a lot of offering, not just financially. Of course, you have financial offers, but it's more like service provided, a dedicated space, uh, mentors. Uh, yeah. And then clearly, I mean, Europe compared to the US in terms of liquidity on the market and venture capital, that's nothing comparable. But still, I think London and, and France and Berlin, or Paris, Berlin, London is, is quite doing good. But is there a mindset which is being changed and is it one of the mandates you have in terms of like trying to make public authorities but other maybe actors being more aware of the opportunities and the need for for support there
2: yeah so we have like three main pillars one of them is just like connecting the scene and just coming back to that Mm. so we created um, just to put some more details there, we created one Slack community where we onboarded like everybody in the Nordic Sport Tech scene so they can connect and they can share resources. Maybe one of them know an investor they can share with another one. So we try to like have a, a connection on the scene. Um, the second one is we tried to put a, a lot of strong focus outwards on the sport tech and the importance of it um, by doing like media articles. We tried to promote our community and entrepreneurs and, um, and we go to bigger events, uh, tech events in, in the mm-hmm. Nordics, and we talk about the importance of sport tech. We hold panels and, and we invite speakers to come and speak about their mission. So just putting light on the scene in general. And the third is that we're trying to do a more collaborative project with other like private organizations or communities. There's two big ones in Denmark. Um, and we also talk to the government or uh, public authorities in, in some of the countries um, to try to accelerate the growth of of nordic sport tech entrepreneurs and startups. Um, some of this is like currently in conversation. Um uh, my co-founder Jakob is is conversing uh, with some organizations. Uh, and we've been trying earlier as well to put more focus on this and maybe like start an accelerator in the nordics or um, or like yeah collaborate with with the government. Um but we are, we are a non profit, volunteer run um, community, and working with the government and creating an accelerator is a lot of. It, it do require a lot of uh, hours, um, so it goes a little bit slower than we hope. But we really try to like put focus on do what we can to to support the scene.
1: Yeah, and, and more globally, no one has as a crystal ball. But how do you see the future <laughs> of sport tech? Like in the Nordic and all around the world, like if you need to compare both.
2: Yeah, I think um, yeah, so. for
3: yeah, for me, I think um, like all the advancements in wearable tech, we've been working with some some really interesting uh clients and projects um at the moment that are doing some really amazing things with with fabric and wearable tech. Um so I think with that and like the kind of intuitive apps, AI, um, all that kind of thing, that sports tech is only really going to become more seamlessly integrated into our everyday lives. Kind of we're gonna see it you know like a few years ago no one would think that you you would wear an apple watch that that measures your heart rate you know so i think these things are just going to become more and more normal to us and more and more integrated
2: yeah i think i yeah we're seeing there's so much fun innovation so many cool startups and so much stuff happening in the sport tech scene and just the last two three years it's like it's been developing so fast um So I I don't know what I'm seeing, but I really hope that um, the outdoor tech industry can pick up as well, same speed as like fit tech and sport tech. So hope to see more outdoor uh, and we also hope to see more products to get people moving, to get people more physical active and that triggers behavioral change. Um, Right now at Noise, we're working on on one application that hopefully is going to get like 36 million Southeast Asians to move more often. Uh, and we really think like getting more people to move more often create happier, healthier, and more active people in general. Um, so maybe that's n- not what's going to happen, but that's what we really, really hope and, and will work mm-hmm. for. Uh,
0: I, I had so. one question around this because you referred that through noise, but also sportic, uh, I mean sports, uh, the Nordic sports tech and also the London tech hub you have is like the need to be physically active, uh, have an mm. active lifestyle uh and part of noise is like we love sports we do we do the sports and and we are we're like this i mean i've been working quite for some time at wefa uh one of the key reasons for sports federation to exist is actually to increase participation and so the sports and we we were quite a lot discussing since 2019 about digital so the link between the physical and the digital space and for me i would like to to ask you like how do you see that I mean, the convergence between physical and digital and uh, what you were just referring to, is it it about nudging? So are you trying to quite, uh, in a good way, trying to put people uh, in an active lifestyle? or And how do you see the role of of digital? Because at the end of the day, digital, and you were were saying it, is taking us from from the outside, uh, is putting us on a couch, or is putting us like being inactive. And yeah. it's it's funny because at the same time it it might be part of the solution to push us back into being active outside. So how do you see that, and how do you see the the evolution going forward?
2: Yeah, this was this was actually one of my big passion areas. I think like pre-COVID, uh, I would hold panels around the world, interviewing like three, always in, uh, inviting three speakers to come, one from uh, like a big company one from an outdoor company and one from a sport company, and then talking about like, the importance of digital and sports and what they are doing to make more people active through their application or through eSports. Because mm. uh, it it's a very interesting topic. Um, but it can be everything from, again, the classical example of Pokemon Go, um, getting kids to download an application and go out and play. Um, but then they yeah, go out and play, uh, but then they're actually moving and they're being active. Uh, there's one guy up in Sweden. Uh, it's called Just Football. He's doing the same. He's kind of like merging the digital and the physical world. So mm-hmm. a kid creates a player on Just Football uh, where he gets like points and his uh, profile advan- advances. Uh, but he has to go out and play in real life to get more points and become a better player. And then when he becomes a better player, he can go back into the app and play on other teams. So it's like a mix of how can they do the digital play but add some physical. Um, other stuff is there's some guys down in Australia who have I forgot the name of their platform but they have an a um, like kind of an Airbnb for ex- extreme sport equipment um, so like extreme sport is a super high investment uh, industry like if I want to start kite surfing it's uh, 2,000 euros not everybody can start kite surfing mm. so they started like a sharing platform of extreme sport gear or like also a gear rental that you can just go and you can get like a like a subscri- subscription card, kind of what you get to libraries and go and just rent the gear. Um, so you have more ex- access to outdoors and extreme sports. That's a way of using digital to get more people into nature and into sports. So either you can do it like on an app basis, triggering people to be more active through gamified elements or um, digital motivations, or you can just like facilitate how easy it is to get to the sports or how easy it is to get the gear to do the sport. Um, yeah there's a lot of different applications that can go on forever <laughs> you, you probably don't want to
0: I <laughs> know no, that's, no, that's super great. interesting
1: yeah definitely yeah. and we can see like how the, how the market is moving too um, yeah definitely we can see like plenty of new opportunities to, 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 to make people move again
2: yeah so much Which fun can happen yeah exactly <laughs> that's why we never want to leave this space it's just advancing and getting better
1: um but yes um Ida, sophie like just before to maybe like finish this podcast like do you want to add something like do you have like something to share with us to finish so. <laughs> you, you 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 can like speak about like your next travel or like just like you know you know like you started like to speak about traveling and doing like, <laughs> great stuff so like i think I like think, um... everyone was like dreaming right now
2: oh yeah I'm dreaming of vacation. I'm going to take my first vacation in three years, um, but I'm I'm hiking 220 kilometers um, in Sweden without Wi-Fi. That's my next dream. Giving all my work to
3: Sophie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) For two weeks. What are you dreaming of, Sophie? (laughs)
3: Yeah, I guess um, I'm just looking forward to a summer in the Alps, to be honest. Um, Yeah, hiking, mountain biking. Um, I, I I broke my back actually last summer, so I'm, I'm looking forward to to getting back into the sport. You this, it again this, this summer, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, JB, do you want to add something?
3: Yeah, you know, I
0: think I have a key takeaway from this podcast. It's really like <laughs> I think we need to rethink our cultural way of doing things at La Source. I mean, we're very much onto the remote. We are hundred percent remote ourselves at the moment, but I like the kind of outdoor sport culture that that you have and it doesn't seem to be a problem to be in 25 different or working with 25 different locations and being anywhere so i think that's quite that's quite inspiring as well to see in terms of like yeah. bridging the the passion and in, in the daily work and what you're putting in terms of culture within noise so that's really refreshing from my from my standpoint
2: yeah i can actually add one thing there that we've been talking about a lot like we think it's just since we're in the sport and outdoors we think it's super important that you understand the sport and outdoors like it's very hard to design a ski product if you never skied or like design like you would probably go to maybe a a berlin agency if you want to design like a like some what do you call it hipster coffee brand but if you want to do really do like an outdoor avalanche app or do something for football it's, it's important to understand the passion and and have tried the sport maybe maybe you don't have to have tried all the sports but it's yeah. It's hard to like design skiing and surfing if you never try to wave. Um, so that's that's why we, that's why we think it's important to be remote, so we can do the sport if we're going to design the sport, um, and it's working so far. Like so, it, yeah, yeah. You should try. Amazing.
1: <laughs> and I think that's perfect conclusion, you know, like we have no, nothing more to say. Like that's perfect. <laughs> and thanks a lot, Aida. Thanks a lot, Sophie, for your time today. Thank uh, you
2: guys for the last Thank
1: you all for listening to us. Hope you enjoyed this talk. <laughs> uh and see you soon for a, for a new episode. Bye-bye. Bye bye Sophie.
0: Ciao. Bye. Thanks.
3: Le Corner.